The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the as-yet-untitled Post NASCAR America Show podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. It can't be called the Untitled Podcast, by the way, because Jeff Gluck already has, I think, the rights to he Untitled. Does? Yeah, I believe he oh, does. That's a great name, though. It is, mm. isn't it? I think we had NASCAR Unlimited, NASCAR Acceleration uh, being tossed out there. Do either of you guys have a name? Mm. Steve Wittardo, Dale Jr.? No. Over someone's? No, I don't have a name yet. Okay. Not, okay. Well, no name. Um, we're just going to jump. No name. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> no name. I like NASCAR Unlimited, so we'll just call it NASCAR, NASCAR Unlimited. Unlimited. That was a race. It was. So you, yeah. So I think that one's taken too. You're making us uncomfortable <laughs> as you miss with the buttons. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me. I have grief. a question. No, I, I want to know. No, listen. Well, this here. is the first topic we're going to cover. Okay, go. We should not be doing this podcast because we're in the studio, and I told you never again. Right. You we, had very we had to go to a, a bar or a restaurant. So okay. my punishment is I have this little kid's stool that won't stay up. So I'm a foot shorter than you sitting at this table. I apologize. I can tell you that. don't care. Take it up with the producers. Let's get started by talking about what we just talked about on NASCAR America. You guys are both on there. Uh, the first discussion was about Dale Jr.'s first win in the Cup Series at Texas, April of 2000. And you guys talked a little bit about the mad dash that... Dale, your father would yeah. always make out of the track. So, so listen, I haven't told him this yet. Yes. So I'm going to tell Dale, just so you know, Burton is still from that generation. So most Sunday morning, the conversation can be like, "Where'd you park? You got a plan? Oh, I know. We got a golf yeah. cart. Where we go? Like that is that's a couple hours worth with Burton. Like, and then you'll explain it, and then like an hour before the race, you'd be like, "You think that's the right spot, right? Like we don't need another <laughs> spot. Like he'll still be convinced that maybe we're not in the perfect spot. Yeah, that's happening with you guys at oh. your own. Oh. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, like like it still happens today. <laughs> that happens today, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like, and then and you talk about you know you, you talked about your dad or DJ talked about how your dad was in the fire suit. My man Jeff Burton can get out of a sport coat like Superman. Right in the telephone booth, out of the telephone booth, he's gone. Right. Dale told the show the, the story on the show about that your dad would change literally. Like no, I guess it was DJ who told that story about yeah. your dad would change literally in traffic in the van while he was going to the airport at Watkins Glen. Yeah, he was. Uh, I remember going to races with him before I started driving and um, seeing him drive to the airport or even you know drive start to drive home uh, in his driver's suit. It was just so much quicker to get out of the because it, it's like that first fifteen miles. Uh, in cir- circumference of the racetrack, if you can break out of that bubble <laughs> sooner than anyone else, because it grows, it's like this big, it's like this tra- the traffic bubble grows mm. as time goes by. Traffic's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So he would try to get out of it quick as he could, and once you're beyond that bubble, you're good to go. You well, know? you keep saving time. So if you're the first out of the bubble, then you're See, the first to the airport. Chief. 
then you then you're, then you're first in line at the airport. You're you're chunking down minutes again, yeah. waiting in line on the runway. Then you get up in the air. You get the straight shot back into con- see. The, like once you're the leader, yeah. You know everybody thinks it's clean air. It's not clean air. It's just being the leader. When you're the leader, you're the leader all day. There was a bit of a hurry to get out of there just to be home quicker, but there was also a huge element that was at play between their egos with Rusty and Dad particularly. Um, <laughs> Dad and Rusty competed on everything. And I think Dad and other drivers did as well. Mm-hmm. So if you got beat home... Mark Martin was on that list too. Yeah. Mark was a heavy they player. They literally were like you know racing home in their planes right. the same way they had ran the race all day. So um, it was always you know who could get up first, who could get up in the air first. The first one up in the air really was the, usually the leader. The planes don't typically pass each other in the air because of the the rules of altitude and so forth. Good thing there were rules or they probably yeah. would have. <laughs> right. If they were flying them, boy, they'd be all over. But it'd be a race, a real race. Um, so usually the first guy up in the air was the one that controlled the whole pace for everyone home to, to the airport because everybody usually kept their airplanes at the same place in Statesville. So you could, like, brake check everybody behind yeah. you by taking mm-hmm. off yeah. first. Yeah, right. Okay. Do you have a really good story? Is there a favorite memory of you racing the Mad Dash that you would make with your dad? The uh, you know, I, I think that just I when when uh, Dale Jarrett talked about him changing in the car on the way to the airport, that brought up some visuals and some. You know, I remember he would change while Teresa held, held the steering wheel, or he would actually get up out of his seat and change seats so someone else could hop in and drive. Uh, to change clothes while the car's going down the road, you know, going 40, 50, 60 miles an hour down the highway, he would get up out of the seat and someone else would hop in it, huh. you know. In a com- this is in a this is always now in a in a van in a in a in a tr- uh, what what do they call them? The, the comfort coach vans were um, it was a van, but it was had the couch and all that nice chairs. Oh yeah, the conversion. Big conversion van. Oh. Yeah, so it was a conversion van. Every driver back. In the 80s and 90s, That's had convert. Had. Everybody had conversion vans. Mm-hmm. We drove to more races uh, back then. We drive to all the Bristols and Darlingtons and Rockinghams, and everybody had. Good side note: when you won the pole at the Brickyard back in the 90s, they gave you a conversion van. Oh, really? Yeah, because when I was um, just starting as a yeah. floor sweeper at the 24, <laughs> I drove the namesake Brickyard van from the pole to every race, Texas and East, and then we won another pole, and then I had the quote, new Brickyard van that I drove to all nice. the races. So, yeah, conversion vans were solid. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of stories about you guys from this man. You Steve guys? My being left, me and him? Being oh, hey. him over the last few years. But I don't know if I've ever heard the story that you guys just talked about on NBCSN about the this was an Xfinity car at Texas Motor Speedway oh, some year. Yeah, I don't. You guys ran together. Like, what was the deal? Like, it was I an I don't extra remember car. why. It was a – we were running – uh, junior, car we're running a junior motorsports car, and whenever we do a junior motorsports car, and I'm driving it, it's typically an extra team. So we're like spread, you know, we're having to throw together a group of guys that'll 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 take the car to the racetrack because we don't have like a fifth team, right? And maybe at this particular year, we were we were you know we were in that same situation, and we had. I guess you... I think this was the Chris Heroy era. So, Sunshine, Chris Heroy crew chiefed him at Bristol and somewhere else, getting some crew chief experience. Then I think he left to go to Ganassi. And there was this one race at Texas that had to be done. So, I was like, You agreed to do it. Yeah, I'll go do it. Sure. I mean, his Xfinity stuff runs pretty good. This is going to be fun. That says a lot about me as a driver that you were... 
you were not so tired of me on the cup side that you agreed to. <laughs> hey, was this the same race we had won? You were like, you know what? I, I don't think I'll do that. I'm really getting enough of so, you on the cup side. You said, yes, yes, Dale. So, More wait. racing with Dale, of course. Hey, wait, wait. One of these, this might be the race. We need to check this race. We need to check this race. Because one of these I races, was trying to find my man over reference. here, went, I, I don't think I was listed as the crew chief in case there was any sort of situation. Okay. I'd be around for Sunday. Um, remember, you had that thing won. You ran Chase Elliott down, run on the top, and drove away from him. Yeah. And then there was a caution, and Chase got by us on the restart, and that's the first race Chase Elliott won. It is the first Xfinity race, I think, really? was the same weekend. Ah. But, yeah, so we were slow. And when I mean slow. Way slow. Half I mean, second. Like, in the Xfinity side. Cup yeah. car, you guys were great. Cup car was oh, cup probably car was fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, so basically we left what I considered the really tough garage and came yeah. over here with a cup star driver. And cup we were, star crew chief. And we were getting our teeth kicked in in practice. Okay. We were. And it was it was quickly when we noted. We re- we realized this quickly. So it's in the first 15 minutes of practice, and we're these like – I'm like, hey, driving okay. Feels pretty good. I mean, these cars really are pretty easy to drive. He's like, well, I got some bad news. You're half a second slow. <laughs> like, you're really, really slow. Not like a little bit. Like, call the like engine We are in trouble. I and I was like, like, I came in, oh. and somebody had blown a motor. <laughs> yeah. I came in the garage, and we're scratching our heads going, well, hell. And I'm like, it don't drive bad. I don't know what to tell you to fix. So I don't even think we changed anything. Nah, probably not. But I was, we were, I, we were starting to panic. No mm. one else was going to go on the track because of the speedy dry. And I said, "We got to get out there. If we're if we're this far off, right?" And we, we both were. we both agreed to hit the racetrack. And so I drove underneath the speedy dry and made this uncharacteristically low entry into turn three, and it chopped a half a second off the lap. No joke. No joke. Wow. Like, was, and, and instantly I was like, "Hey, that's way better." And the response was. Oh yeah, no, we're pretty good. Been driving it all wrong. We're gonna be good. Don't worry. And then, and this was the this was the focus on the Xfinity. Like we went from throwing up slow right. to one good lap to let's go back over the Cup Garage. This one will be fine. Yeah, well, that's we, like what DJ just said on the yeah. show, which that it's that sometimes you find a line by either making a mistake or yeah. a lap car forces you in exactly, it, and then you're fast. I think it's good. You're pre, you know, you get taught to arc the entry, arc the entry, make a nice wide arc in the entry. In the Cup Car, it always works. There's a lot more power, so you can give up that that you can make that longer line because you're going to gain it on the exit. You know, it sort of evens out and helps the car in the center of the corner. It does a lot of great things. I mean, you don't go chopping the entry in a cup car just like you did that bush car. They drive so differently, and I yeah. hadn't been in the bush car, the Xfinity car, uh, for, for much of the year. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it was – I had to relearn, you know, relearn how to drive those cars, and, and that was a really interesting, funny – scenario we ended up running okay in the race yeah okay so two years it could have been could have been 2013 you finished uh, dale jr finished fourth in the xfinity race uh 2013 no 2013 you finished fourth 2014 you finished fifth it's probably 14 it's probably it was, it was probably 14 i okay. think it was 14 because chase he, elliott won in 14 okay yeah if chase elliott was in the race then yeah but if, I think if your the hero case, theory is correct then it was it 13 would be 13 but, i can't remember they all run together uh, who cares i'm just all i know the, is the us calling guys. xfinity race was great because at one point i was like look <laughs> We're not good enough to win, so we're just not going to pit right here, and we're going to save a set of tires. And basically, what I got back from the car was sure, whatever. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't care, whatever. Like, like he, and we had that's what makes Texas the old surface so much fun in those Xfinity with the tire wars. Is we we just like we were there to run good, and right. it was fun. Right? Yeah. So something else that came up on the show, we talked about what Brad Keselowski said in the NASCAR NBC podcast. We heard that clip. The clip we didn't play during the show today is that Brad also. I asked Brad, you know, have you ever gotten heat? from sponsors or your team told you to back off and brad's answer was no i never have and yes i probably should have at some points but no no one has ever said 
you know, moderate your comments a little bit. So my question to you, Dale, would be, uh, did you ever face any heat for anything you said? Only after the fact, really. Yeah. I mean, usually, <clears throat> well, wait, he's got one. you got <laughs> one scenario. I got where... one that I got the call. <laughs> okay. Well, it's after the fact. Well, the tweet was already out. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So it wasn't, it wasn't a situation. It was a, it was a, it was a um, comment on a tweet about your cell phone service from the Texas Motor Home I remember bar. that. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny now. Yeah, it's well, funny I didn't now. think it was a big thing. Okay, so Sprint. Let me go ahead and you, it was a big yeah, thing. Sprint yeah. was the title sponsor of the series. Stop, stop for a moment. Title sponsor. Just yeah. clear that up. As go in, ahead. We're yeah. laying, Nine we're, figure check. We were laying in our ho- – we're laying in our <laughs> – we're laying in our luxurious buses, oh. and I'm complaining about the sales service. Or no, I wasn't complaining. A about, fan was. A fan was complaining about the sales service, and I knew that a lot of drivers and a lot of people were in that racetrack at that moment, struggling as well with their sales service because a lot of them were on Sprint. I had gotten rid of Sprint and gotten a Verizon phone and was doing awesome. Yeah. And so I got a little mouthy and lippy on there on on Twitter talking about how great my service was because I wasn't. Well, on someone Sprint. asked him, Dale Jr., how are you sending these tweets? And my man responds at VerizonWireless.net. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. And I didn't see it. <laughs> my phone starts ringing. I look down. I'm like, Hmm, that's an odd person to be calling me this time in the evening. Hendrick I got PR. the call. I take it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. okay. That's that's just a mistake. You know, <laughs> that's a poor choice when, of endorsement. Yeah. But I think in in the when, with Brad's conversation, when you're talking about uh, social issues or political issues, I mean it's really um, it's choppy waters, and and uh, I don't think that anybody uh, at his race team or or any race teams that I ever ran with. Uh, expect you to speak out. You know mm-hmm. they don't. They don't sit there and, and go, "Oh well, Dale's definitely going to say something here." So let's get in front of it or try to help him, you know, navigate that if he wants to do it. Uh, it was always after the fact, like, "Oh man, you maybe shouldn't have got into that conversation," or, "Boy, I wish you had just kept, you know, kept right. you, kept your mouth shut." Um, but it's hard, you know. So I think for drivers, it's hard to. I, it, when you, it only gets hard, I think, when you feel like people are assuming you're in this bucket when you're in the other bucket. Right. That's it. And right. and that was that was mostly what pushed me to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is I kind of feel this way, and I'm only saying this is because I don't I don't like people assuming I'm over here. And you know, it was uh, it, it never it never comes without some backlash and some you know, some, some tough waters to navigate after the fact. But if it, it made you feel so much better just putting, you know, letting everybody know, you know, right. this is what's up. I struggle to know if I have the right to use my platform to give my opinion on those issues. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's not why people are watching you. You know, I, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, listen, I'm a blessed guy that got to work my entire life in racing, and now I, I'm employed to talk about racing on TV and educate and entertain fans. Right. So so if it's a racing topic, I'm full steam ahead. I don't care how controversial the racing topic, and there are some. Uh, not who wrecked who. There could be safety controversy. There's a lot of controversial things. I'm full steam ahead. That's my expertise. But when it comes to either political or social topics, I balance between the – uh, moral obligation to speak my side because I think it's better. That's why I have that opinion. Or do I have the right on this platform to give it? I normally shade away and say, you know what, people don't follow me for that. That's not my role. My role is a sports commentator and and do this stuff. But what I do have a problem with, and this is the one time I have 
perhaps not really got in trouble, but been corrected is I'm really good at the like the really pe- the people that just sound off all the time and the, the nonsense, like, you know, the, the, the keyboard heroes. OK, whatever. I, I don't give them the time of day. But I I frustrates me when people with such conviction are factually completely inaccurate about something we're talking about racing more than anything. Like one yeah. time some guy told me how d- dumb I was because that's an aluminum engine, it's a this and it's a that, it's I a remember that. that. And I had it. I was just like, okay. So I said something like, <laughs> well, actually, and I corrected. And I was like, this is what it is, da 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 hashtag couch crew chief. And I thought nobody would really pick up. And this thing, it was like a spark in a dry field. And next thing I know, it ain't really a Hashtag well, what was the re- training in America. Great. What were yeah. the repercussions? There was no repercussions. The person who I remain nameless said, listen, you have every right to do that. But their words of advice made the most sense to me. They said, what you have to understand is that guy had no traction until you decided to engage him. You legitimized it. And because this guy had 50 followers and you have 200,000. Yeah. So your comment is what made it. And I think the guy was kind of shocked that I was talking to, and I said, oh, no, I thought about it, and that's why I sent it, because I wanted 200,000 people to see that this guy didn't know what he was talking about. But that was good advice that I take on the people that you mentioned on the show, how it's a conversation. People that don't want to have a conversation, that are just, just, man, Dale, you're no good. That's not a conversation. Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. I just, we had this conversation, though, so I used to mute. I don't mute anymore. Now I just straight up block right to their. F- I want them to know that I don't want to. And then this guy said, "I, I don't switched. do that." He I went from blocking to muting. Mm-hmm. And that's a great conversation to have. I think that you could talk. You could you could see what other drivers think about this. Is what makes you decide to engage right. with a fan because there's a lot of opportunities out there. Not and we and all drivers, myself, you, we don't take every opportunity, but you take some. What is the trigger? that makes you dive into that because you know it's 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 not worth your time you know it's this guy doesn't it's it's not making any waves why bring it up why make it noticeable mm. to all your followers but sometimes you do sometimes something pushes that button that makes you uh retweet that guy and try to you know and and bring that conversation to the light and yeah my trigger was <laughs> this guy positioned it where i hadn't I, so listen i work hard I study. I study the rules. I talk in the garage. I watch races. I prepare. People may or may not like my commentary. That's an opinion, and you can have it. But when someone challenged the fact that I didn't know what I was talking about, that was the button. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. So I so I zinged it. I think he zinged it. Jeff Burton got on, and then the avalanche formed, <laughs> and I was trying to just stay on top of the snow at that point. It was, it was a good time, though. As a crew chief, Stevie, do you want a driver who puts himself in the middle? I mean, Brad does it a lot, and that's one as a media member. That's one of the reasons I think we like him is he's he's going to give us the unfiltered version of Brad Keselowski. But as a as a crew chief, knowing that your team probably prefers under the radar, don't make waves, is it a difficult thing? I appreciate a driver. So I've only had two. I had Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. Um, I feel both spoke their mind. Mm-hmm. Both were very transparent. Both didn't they endorse products that endorse them that match their personalities and match their brands like it all worked so i enjoyed it because both also would have a conversation where dale and i've had these conversations where it's, it's more than just the fans he's talking to his team hears it as well so we you know i guess the short answer is yes i enjoy a driver that is speaking his mind because if you're always you all the time you normally even though it's sometimes rockier 
you're going to get in less major issues because mm-hmm. you are who you are. People don't think you're two-faced. People don't think you're saying something behind their back. So I like a driver who is willing to say whatever he wants all the time. But I will qualify that by saying both of the drivers I work with who were that way, I felt like I could call on the phone and be like, hey, I know you think this, but I just want you to paint – I just want to paint you the picture of what could be perceived – internally in our family we're trying to go race and both of them would pick up the phone and say oh man you know i never thought of that okay you know not that i didn't want them to say that i just wanted them to see that side of it they were both very supportive so i i like i enjoy brad there are times that i completely disagree with him and i love that because him and i have had some very quirky arguments yeah that i think we both left going hey man that was i enjoyed the conversation thank you so I, I enjoy guys like Brad. Well, like I think I don't remember you said Dale. You said I mean, you have to be open to compromise, right? Yeah, you have that's to what be Dale open said. To sort great, of great understand point. things. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, when you get into some of these uh, these real heavy uh, these uh, when you get into the issues that are affecting the country, you are uh, you are going to be educated, right? And man, I mean, you you know, and it, you got to be willing to to accept that and accept someone else's point of view. And uh, hearing from a lot of different angles, and if you're not willing to to hear that, and if you're like, you know, Steve said, some people are super hard headed about this is what I think, and I'm not changing my mind for anything. If you're one of those guys, you're not going to have very good time. You know, you're not going to enjoy that experience. But um, if you're kind of you know open to hearing from all sides and and sort of you know, seeing, seeing, you know, allowing that to maybe kind of educate you a little bit. It's good. It can be a really, really good positive experience. Every time right. you send out a tweet about a social issue isn't a scary, awful experience. It can be a great, enlightening moment. And um, but I, I agree with you with 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 Brad. I don't agree with everything, but man, it's great when drivers do that. It is. It shows a lot. It shows how complex our sport is and the individuals that are involved in it. That's well, exact- they're people in a sport of machinery. Yeah. I love to see, like, I have this argument all the time with fans. It's not a video game. Mm-hmm. I can't just take Dale Earnhardt and go put him in Jimmy Johnson's car, and he's not Jimmy Johnson. The seat doesn't fit. The pedals aren't right. He's not going to lift. There's no right or wrong way. They're two different people. So, so the stars are what should be celebrated, and the more they are people – with opinions and disagreements and stuff, make it makes our job way easier. But as you said, Dale, and you just uh, on the show and there's reference again. It, it, this is like these guys are complex personalities. They have a lot to them, but yet there's the stereotype that they can't always be themselves. And I think the NBA has kind of garnered a reputation as maybe the most socially conscious league in pro sports, yeah. right or wrong, because their guys are outspoken. You mentioned it on NASCAR America. LeBron is out there talking. Can NASCAR achieve that level with the amount of corporate involvement? In racing, or is is that always going to be maybe a little bit of a hindrance compared to other sports? Yeah, I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that it's it's different. Yeah, it's much more challenging for NASCAR for drivers. They have corporate sponsors on the side of their cars, and um, whereas NBA, NBA players, they do have to consider the partnerships that they have. But I mean, when you're Le- LeBron James, you have so much sure. Strength in your in, you drive the partnership. Yeah, your brand is so freaking strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it it, uh, it doesn't affect him as much. So, uh, or yeah, I guess it, it would affect him if he if he went the wrong way, but or said the wrong you know said something incorrect or um, offended a wide group of people. But he's not going to do that. He's not that kind of person. But I think that um, with drivers, yeah, I think they're a little more concerned with. Not so much what the fans 
are going to how the fans may react to that comment but more they they probably do think more about oh man my sponsor might not like this i'm i how much job security do i have <laughs> am i willing to risk <laughs> my c- career you know really on on making a statement here or, or jumping into this conversation um brad doesn't seem to care i'll i think that we, i think that if you and I, I might be wrong this might not be true for every driver but i think if you adopt that kind of approach uh a lot of people buy in you know people buy into who brad is that's brad you know and nobody's shocked you know his sponsors aren't gonna wake up and go wait a minute they know who they're getting here (laughs) brad is this that's who brad is you know um that's uh, him being that way has gotten to become what we expect from brad and i think that so it's not so shocking for his owner or his his corporate partners to see him get into those conversations now um, you just have to start – you have to be that way when you begin and have that reputation coming up through the ranks or, you know, do it over time like Brad has done and, and people just, you know, come to expect it and it's not so un, uncharacteristic, I guess, for Brad to do that. But I um, I think, yeah, drivers do have to worry about their sponsors, upsetting their sponsors, you know, because you, when you talk about things, you're bringing – you're representing everybody. You're bringing everybody into that conversation. They might not want to go there, you know. Uh, the owners might not want to go there. And uh, Dale Jarrett talked about having owning a dealership. You know, he right. says something that upsets a group of fans, and they don't buy cars from him anymore. Well, people would say, "Don't." But why does Dale Jarrett care? You know, he we're, well, he's got employees that work at that dealership that need to sell cars. You know, these are people's livelihoods that he's affected by his comments. And so there's a lot more to it, a lot more layers to it than just, well, I made my sponsor mad or I made my owner mad. You know, you got people, employees in that company that are yeah. affected. They're going to think about this, and I'll, I'll stop here. When I would do something, people were calling your crew, Fam- yeah, friends, right. and, friends and relatives would be calling our guys. Right. Why does Dale say that? Right, right, right. You know, what's Dale doing that for? Why does he say that? You know, so it affects more people than just you, your owner, your sponsor. And, and sponsor, so the, the, the common misconception about a sponsor is you think, well, because it says STP on your T-shirt, you're, you know, that's it. Dale Jarrett has was a spokesman for the big brown truck a decade ago. I don't mm-hmm. even know, 15 years ago. And people still attach that. So you and I had this conversation, Nate, right? So I am not sponsored by NBC. I'm an employee. But right, wrong, or indifferent, there's no separation. Everything I do all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 or 365 days a year, I am an NBC analyst. Doesn't matter if I'm on TV or not. I choose that. I choose when NBC says, hey, you want to come talk about racing? We're going to pay you to fly around the country and talk about a sport you love. I'm in. I'm very clear that the residual is I am always an NBC employee with everything I do. So when Dale Jr. agrees to to Hellman's, you know, we're a great partner and I'm nationwide. I may love nationwide. He doesn't get to not be a nationwide guy at times. That, that He doesn't get that choice. I don't get that choice. And I love drivers and people that are willing to accept that. And that's what he said. Just being consistent, I think, is the point. Brad's being very yeah, consistent. Yeah. Like, like, like. You know, NBC knew who it was, knew who I was when I, they hired me, and I just try to stay pretty consistent. And and if I have anyone ever call me up and say, "Man, I can't believe you said that," I want to be able to look at them and be like, "You can't." 
Like, have you not been watching? Like, that was because I would hate for somebody to say, I can't believe you say that. And you say, you know what? You are right. That was way out of the blue. You know, that's, I mean, you know, like Kyle Petty's window, his bandwidth is a lot bigger than mine. It's enormous. (laughs) Yeah. But, and and, and no one could go to Kyle and be like, we had no idea. Yeah. Well, no, you all knew, right? So, I mean, I think that's the key. But I, I, I wish more drivers, and I, you know, we talk about that young and old driver thing. I think Brad is setting a great example that you can be successful and com- continue to be yourself. And I hope some of them young drive. We talk about a lot of on the racetrack. This is an off the racetrack thing that I would love to see Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez have confidence to be who they are because Brad's able to do it, yeah. I guess is my point. That's you interesting, know? yeah, who, who, who these young guys will be. You never know the ones that'll speak up, and and this another thing I think is remember is not it's not that dr- some drivers don't speak up. Some guys just aren't in the political yeah, they, they have just arena. Have no opinion. They don't even pay attention. You know, I've I've had conversations with drivers and been really blown away by how um, uninterested they are in that particular <laughs> yeah. yeah field. And I feel a little uh, lucky and almost just lucky, just dumb fortune sometimes that there are some hot topics that, you know what, in my little bubble of a world that I'm so lucky to live in, I'm not going to speak up because I don't have firsthand knowledge, so who am I to have an sure. opinion? It doesn't affect me. I am yeah. I'm out of this. I'm going to support other people's opinions, but I'm out. Yeah. And, you know, just I'm like, I'm not going to get into a fight that right. I don't need to be in. Right. Ignorance can be bliss. Have we come up with a name yet? We we haven't, but whether Nate, it's called never again, whether Will it's I be called in this NASCAR, studio, <laughs> whether it's called NASCAR Untitled, NASCAR Acceleration, or NASCAR Unlimited, thanks Twitter. They're uh, so those are all so easy though. Why yeah, can't we have the best name ever. NASCAR. It's kind of like you know, it's after the show, a drink with Nate after the show, something like that would be right, cool. Well, drink with you after the show. Is Next the time. best NASCAR podcast ever too long? Is that too long of a name? <laughs> no, I like it. Okay. I like that. Thanks for listening to the debut episode of the best NASCAR podcast ever. ever. And there are a lot of NASCAR podcasts. Yeah. So that's why that that is a very You know what I yeah, think is great important that he has one <laughs> yet named this one that. Just want to point that out. Hey, I'll go I'll say I'll stay for, I'll be one and two. I'm just kidding, Nate. Thanks, All right. Nate. <laughs> thanks, Dale. Thanks, Steve, for being here and thanks everybody for listening. I admit it, TV's kind of my thing. I'll pretty much watch any crime show with an acronym in the title. I live for quirky 90s sitcoms, crazy nature documentaries, and even the occasional indie dramedy. All I need is my comfy pants, a classic movie, an all-new medical drama, or perhaps a little Tuesday night tearjerker. So give me a tense courtroom drama, mafia masterpiece, or even a quirkily detective mismatch with a totally-by-the-books partner, and I am in. And because I have wireless from AT&T, I get my favorite 60 channels of live TV for a year on them. So saying bye-bye, cable bill, is kind of my thing, too. Get more from your wireless plan. Buy AT&T Wireless and get live TV on us. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. Limited time New York Metro offer. Requires a new line on an eligible plan, which starts at $75 per month in DirecTV Now, $35 package. After one year, DirecTV Now renews at full price unless canceled. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See att.com slash live TV on us for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.